Hello and welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm Aliza Kelly and today I'd like to start us off by talking about something very near and dear to my heart um, and I think to many of your hearts as well, which is the art of manifestation. So what is manifestation? When we talk about it, we actually are exploring the link between the physical world and the astral plane. We desire something, whether it be money or success or love or to get laid, and we will use magical practices to harness and focus our energy. What I think is really interesting about manifestation is that it is an innately human desire to want to manifest. And you don't need to be interested in occultism or astrology or any type of esotericism in order to practice manifestation. In fact, we learn manifestation often just as part of being a kid. When we blow out birthday candles on a cake, when we deem something a lucky penny and then throw it into a fountain, um, when we pick up a lucky penny, when we scribble our crush's name over and over again in a notebook or on a bathroom stall, all of these are practices of manifestation and using a conduit to go from our physical world into the astral. When I was younger, I spent a lot of time writing in a journal. This is something I I wish I was as good about today as I was when I was in my adolescence, but it was especially important in my adolescence, so I'm glad I did it then. Um, and one of the things that I would write and doodle all around was this phrase that I came up with and I thought was really clever, create the life you've always wanted. So I was young, um, but I somehow knew that in order to access all the things that I wanted in this lifetime, I needed to make them happen for myself. And I also always believed in magic. So the idea that I could will my own achievements didn't feel like a stretch. Uh, it was something that I was actively considering and believing in my ability and capacity to achieve. So as I got older, I began to study more uh, and familiarize myself with more formal ways of executing these intentions. And I studied astrology, obviously, and spell work and tarot. And I learned about correspondences, which ultimately are just ways to streamline manifestation. In future episodes of Stars Like Us, I'm going to share with you guys some specific spells, um, ingredients, and steps, and recipes to really make manifestation rituals. But today, I wanted to, to introduce you to the idea of correspondences, specifically planetary correspondences. In traditional astrology, each planet corresponds with a day of the week. And based on that correspondence, each planet is connected to a certain behavior or energy or focus. So you can find these tables online that have really built out and robust correspondences that also link the day to a certain color, to a certain herb, 
a certain scent and all of these are are conduits and ways to strengthen and specialize a manifestation so i'll just go through the seven days and we can talk about very briefly what type of work is best done on these days of the week in accordance with planetary correspondence sunday is the sun's day and this is a day for solar work for surrounding um, yourself with themes of success, of honor, recognition, achievement. We work with the sun when we want to bring something into the light. So when we are doing solar work, whatever it is, whether it is us that we want to bring into the light or a concept, this is going to be a Sunday manifestation ritual. Monday is the moon's day and it is for lunar work. So lunar work is great for healing and clearing and opening and closing doors when we need to as well as sharpening our dreams our intuition and the concept of the divine feminine in whatever that means to you tuesday is mars day Uh, in greco-roman times war was often declared on this day this is likewise a wonderful day for taking action for motivation, for strength, for sex, for physical healing, uh, when we need to find the motivation and inertia within us to make something happen. Wednesday is Mercury's day. Work on this day involves cognition and communication, um, intelligence. So studying is a perfect Wednesday activity. Thursday is Jupiter's day. Um, Jupiter is the planet of luck and abundance and work on this day should surround wisdom and prosperity and luck and worldliness. So if you guys are interested in ever playing the lottery, this is a great day to pick some numbers. (laughs) Friday is Venus's day and this is for issues involving love and romance, values, money, fertility, and artistic creation and last but definitely not least saturday is saturn's day and on this day we want to attend to matters of karma responsibility stability and time management so we get our shit together on saturn's day in this episode i speak with anka lavrive who is an amazing tattoo artist and fine artist and business owner Anka shares her story with me, and it is a very, very powerful one. What struck me about the conversation that I had with Anka was her relentless commitment to manifestation and the honesty and the integrity behind this. Um, Anka's story is a reminder that manifestation does not happen overnight. It doesn't happen when we snap our fingers or when we have a nice new moon. Um, It takes time and practice and dedication to make our life what we want it to be to be able to fulfill our dreams manifestation happens on both the physical and the astral plane so these two need to coexist always manifestation is a full-time job we need to be working on creating the best version of ourselves and our lives all the time all day long and i do think that anka has a wonderful perspective on this 
that you guys are really going to enjoy. So sit back and relax and listen to my conversation with Anka Lavrive, her amazing tale of manifestation. Enjoy. So I am here with Anka, my lovely friend who is a fine artist, a tattoo artist, and also apparently a dog whisperer (laughs) as my puppy sits quietly in her lap. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. So to get started, I think it would be great if you could introduce yourself, what you do right now, and then I'm going to poke and prod and find out how you got to be where you are. Uh, my name is Anka Lavriv. I am a tattoo artist and I'm a co-owner of uh, Black Iris Tattoo in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And uh, we have been open for three years now. It's like an amazing art collective, tattoo collective. Um, yeah, I'm originally from Ukraine and I moved to New York when I was 18. Oh, cool. I didn't realize that you had moved here when you were so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't really a plan for me to stay here. I came for a student exchange, and I was supposed to stay for three months uh, in Ocean City, Maryland. (laughs) And then I came to Brooklyn to see a friend, a childhood friend who moved here. And uh, I just, like, fell in love with, like, head over heels. I felt like I had to stay here. And I basically threw away my tickets, called my parents and said, I'm not coming back. And yeah. How did they respond to that? They were like, yeah, yeah, see you in three months. (laughs) (laughs) And then because I made some bad choices, we didn't see each other for 10 years. Oh, shit. Wow. That is very, very different Mm -hmm. than three months that they were expecting. (laughs) Yeah. So at that time when you, I mean, you're 18, so you were just legal to get a tattoo at that point um when did you incorporate tattooing into your practice so my story with tattooing is kind of weird and untraditional not that any tattoo story is traditional I think that's what I love about the profession even traditional tattoos aren't (laughs) traditional yeah but everyone like has such a different story like very few people you know just get an apprenticeship and they just finish it and start working usually it's some like really outlandish weird way how they get into it and I feel like it's like a really certain type of personality that goes into this work and uh, I started tattooing when I was 15 whoa yeah my dad's friend was a tattoo artist I right now do not remember why I wanted to do it like I just remember like always having flash sheets and drawing on my friends with markers and like at that time in Ukraine it wasn't like a popular thing (laughs) at all it was very marginalized it was very like you know niche um like prison culture prison tattoo culture is like really rich so most people associate it with prison and I I don't know where I got it but it's always been on my mind and my dad when I turned 15 he was like when are you gonna stop asking me for money already you're so old (laughs) (laughs) because things are moving much faster out there than here (laughs) And I'm like, well, I want to be a tattoo artist. Can you ask your friend to show me how? And he did. 
And his friend took me as an apprentice and I was just like cleaning his shop and watching at first. And the first tattoo that he ever got me do was on literally my first day because I was supposed to just watch him tattoo someone and the client didn't show up. So the guy was like, all right, go over my old shitty tattoo. And I have never seen a tattoo machine in my entire life. Oh, my God. And I just, like, blacked out from, like, extreme terror. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's, like, that's going straight in. (laughs) Yeah. That's barely an apprenticeship. (laughs) And I feel like it's been kind of a theme of my life since then, just, like, balls to the wall, you know, (laughs) kind of like, okay, here we are, we're doing this. Um, wow, yeah. that's wild. So when you came here, did you were you looking at employment at different tattoo shops? I was really intimidated. I didn't really speak English that much. So um, I didn't go into seeking apprenticeships or, you know, like continuing my practice because uh, I was illegal and uh, that was a problem with like getting a license and I was I was just like too intimidated. It was too many things happening. I I didn't really know anyone. Like I had to figure out my life. So I started bartending, and that was kind of like one of those things where I was like, I'll do this for a year and see like what happens. And I ended up bartending for eight years, and that was uh, an amazing patience boot camp. <laughs> and I feel like it. It really, like, prepared me for a lot um, in my tattooing work. So how did you then eventually find tattooing again? So I kept drawing this whole time. Like, I don't remember the time in my life where I didn't draw. Uh, My mom used to be an artist. She, like, started getting back into it now, and I'm just so happy to see her, like, get back into it because she lost it for a while but I grew up with art around me and it's it's just like never not been a part of my life and I kept drawing I started like showing around in group shows around Brooklyn around Manhattan and I think that gave people like more confidence in me as a tattooer which is not like they're not interchangeable (laughs) if you're a good artist does not mean that you're a good tattooer. If you are an amazing drawer, but you have never tried oil painting, mm. it, it just it won't the medium is, it won't translate. Yeah, or like if you never tried sculpting, but you're like an amazing oil painter, it doesn't really mean that you will like grab some clay and make this like amazing sculpture. So, what do you think it takes to be a a strong tattooer? So I am. You know, I've been working full time at a shop for six years and every single day I feel like it teaches me so many different things because you like you never become comfortable. The second you think, oh, I'm the shit, like I know how to do this. You get a difficult client, you get client with difficult skin, you get someone who can't handle the pain or someone who is older, whose skin is literally, like, paper thin. So you have to know so many things and navigate so many things. And um, 
it's just never you like you're like a doctor yeah <laughs> Holy and shit. uh you're a little bit of like a psychologist and you know i struggle often with the uh, with pain when people are in pain and they show it and i have to keep going and i have to be like no we're doing it because you know there's no way we can stop right now there's i can't pick up from where we stop so have you been in the position where it just seems like you've had to be the one to stop it uh very rarely yeah, I usually, you know, there's like a couple of tricks that you can do to kind of like give people a mental break because like by, you know, I do have a lot of tattoos and sometimes I, when I'm on the other end, I'm like, oh my God, this is awful. Like, <laughs> I do this to people every day. This is terrible. Uh, and sometimes you, you know, there's so many factors that go into like successful tattoo and it's not just the artist, it's from the client's side too. Like, you have to be arrested, you have to be hydrated. Even if you're in a bad headspace, you're anxious, you're worried about something, you, like, you will feel hypersensitive. And ev- all your senses will be escalated and, you know, it will be harder to tolerate the pain. Mm-hmm. So just kind of like asserting the situation and seeing where it's coming from when there's like suffering in a client sometimes helps you know you can offer them like numbing cream and it doesn't like really super work but it's like a placebo effect where you know you like put a little care into it and the person feels like taken care of and it kind of like takes the edge off what do you think about those tattoo artists who are assholes, <laughs> you know, like who seem to like get off on yeah. causing pain. Is that a real thing or is that my perception? So there is like a group of artists who advertise their services as like brutal tattooing and people go to them like for that. People who like whose fetish it is to like get like brutalized uh and there are people who are just assholes and i truly believe that their their time is running out because there's so much visibility right now that you just you can't hide really right and there's so much competition now Mm -hmm. that if you're a dick yeah like if a client shows up and has a horrible Mm -hmm. personal experience with you they're never gonna go to you again they're not gonna recommend you and absolutely it seems like with Instagram tattooing has become so much more ubiquitous than any other time it's really wild I like because I have so many posts I was like let me clean up my old stuff and going through the work that I was doing like five years ago and you know it was like so new and fresh now I'm like oh my god like this is so old like it looks so old-timey and everything happened so fast and I'm so grateful to be in uh, kind of like in the middle of this crazy evolution that's like so sped up. And yeah, what a time to be alive and be a tattoo artist. <laughs> <laughs> so, OK, going back to your story. So you started showing your work as an artist mm-hmm. and which gave people more confidence in you as a tattoo artist, yeah. even though we now know that those two are not interchangeable <laughs> yeah. at all. So how did... It, how did you get back to the needle? So 
at that time, there were only that many shops in New York. Like, you know, now everyone has a private studio or like they tattoo out of like wherever because Instagram visibility, you know, allowed for it. But it wasn't like that even like I feel like six years ago. And I went and tried to get like apprenticeships because you know I had some experience but it wasn't like it was such a big gap between me learning back in Ukraine and the time where I was seeking out apprenticeship in New York and also the technology changed so much and you know as the industry grew like everything was different all the machines were different like all the setups and um yeah I couldn't get an apprenticeship I was like please hire me like I'll clean your floors I'll do whatever and um, it was just not not in stars for me to get like a (laughs) real apprenticeship in New York Uh, but I truly knew and believed that it's something that I'm meant to do and I just tattooed friends at home which is frowned (laughs) upon but you gotta do what you gotta do you know so did you buy your own equipment yeah I did and uh there's a like a supply store um in New York that kind of sells um disposable stuff and you know I like was getting tattooed actively and like watching how people set up and like observing how like to do it the right way so yeah so then, so you're, you went rogue, mm-hmm. you took it into your own hands, yeah. <laughs> and then how did it come about that you opened the shop? Yeah. So I, uh, when I was bartending at Rodeo Bar, I met a woman who, um, she tattoos mostly in LA, but she travels a lot, her name is Friday Jones, and I feel like meeting her, like, completely shifted my perspective, because... Like, it wasn't that many female tattooers uh, back then, you know, some of, you know, they were like novelties on TV shows, just like, oh, look at this, marvel at this uh, strange creature. (laughs) And she was just so cool, so fun, like, she had money to spend, she was so wild, she had this crazy haircut, and I was like, oh my god, I want to be like her, like, she just... I don't know, seeing her really, like, changed things for me. And we we got kind of friendly, and she wanted to start me off at her studio to do, like, small projects. But I really chickened out because, uh, again, I had to get a license, and I didn't want to admit that I didn't have papers. So I just kind of, like, you know got back into the shadows but you know meeting her was a really kind of turning point for me and I was like oh okay like I I do really want to do this for for real and um I just kept tattooing friends from the bar and you know trying to get like a decent portfolio together and then my friends got tattooed by John O'Hara who is my business partner right now And John worked at this uh, little shop in Queens called Queens, Inc. And, you know, they were, like, chewing his ear off about, like, you got to meet our friend. Like, she's a great artist. As, you know, everyone just, like, does that. And you kind of become desensitized. Well, you're also really good. (laughs) But, you know, everyone's like, oh, check out my friend's work. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's nice. 
But, like, John really did like my work, and he talked. And he's a cancer, too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> and he talked to the owner, and we, like, scheduled this meeting, and I was just, like, terrified because, you know, as we all do, like, I had, a, like, mad imposter syndrome, and I was just like, what am I doing? Like, they're going to know I'm, like, a fraud. But uh, it worked out, you know, the owner liked my work. He, he was like, you know, your lines are sh- shaky and janky, but, like, I see potential, so, you know, we'll, we'll let you get in. So, yeah, that's how I, like got my way into the shop and me and John have been working together ever since in a bunch of different places then we had a small studio together for two years and decided to take a plunge into the unknown the way we decided to kind of like go big with it was really interesting you know like I feel I feel like at the small space we got to the point where there was like nowhere to grow and uh, it was comfortable we were saving money the rent was so cheap but it was just like there was nothing else we could do with the space and it was like a really crazy experience just like kind of figuring it out because like I don't have, I don't even have college education, you know, like, I I was like, I don't know how to, like, do business, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, yeah, you just, like, learn little by little, and I, it really gave me confidence that we can, you know, go public and not just have, like, a little private studio, the interesting thing was that we got on the list of, like, Gothamist's uh, best like 10 tattoo shops in New York while we were like operating out of this like little studio like basically you know like a converted garage and uh, yeah it just really like gave me the confidence and uh, we decided to both of us wanted to do more than just tattooing and you know working in some like really unhealthy environments we just wanted to create a space that would be like uh, like I'm not your boss. You, we provide the space for artists to grow and you know hone their craft or, and like be their own entities within our space. So it's just like the way I always wanted to work, and I never really like I'm not good with authority at all. Never been, <laughs> and. Uh, it was always difficult for me. Like, I changed jobs all the time because I would, like, get in a fight with a boss and get fired or, like, storm off in the middle of my shift because it's just, like, I don't know where this dynamic comes from. Like, oh, I'm your boss, so let me power trip and, like, put you down. I totally agree. I also have... I really have a hard time with authority figures. Obviously, this also got me in trouble constantly but I do feel like you know being somebody who wants to as an adult then take on projects and do things like maybe the background in that is Mm -hmm. not liking the rules it's it's just not for everyone like I (laughs) you know I like couldn't get a visa but I really wanted to live here and you know like right now it's just a constant like 
constant like hit and hit and hit seeing what's happening right now but it's just like how can you blame people for trying to like make a better life for themselves and sometimes the rules don't work so i'm i'm really curious and i'm sure the listeners are going to be curious so what's the status with your immigration citizenship green card right now i'm uh I just applied for a citizenship and I'm like in the very slow process of like finally going through this like final motion. You know, it's been in the making for like over 13 years right now. Um, and yeah, it's the, the whole process is, you know, it's a story for another time, but it is fucking atrocious. It They like put people through the meat grinder and like if you don't get married, like you don't really have that many options. Mm. So it's like the main you know safe bet that's so ridiculous Mm -hmm. and then there's a lot of money that you have to pay throughout the stages you know yeah who there is to say that the thing that i did was wrong you know i did what i thought was right in the moment no one got hurt i just stayed here and you know like you cannot reason me into thinking that what i did like i truly don't believe that overstaying my visa was a crime Even though it is, but, you know, I paid my dues. I paid my penalties at the end, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that is a very important conversation about, like, we have to be conscious of who's making the Mm -hmm. fucking rules in the first place. Exactly. We don't we can't just follow rules without being aware of where they came from and and what the purpose is. Why the world is so fucked right now, because people have been sheepishly following these rules and like. I feel like only our generation and the younger generations are starting to question, like, but why do I have to sit in the office and hate my life? Why can't I do something creative and, like, work on my own time? Like, I could never do the nine-to-five thing. It was crushing my soul. So I was like, I would rather be at the bar because it was, like, irregular hours and I didn't have to commit to, like every single day you do the same thing and see the same people i don't know it's it works for some people but i feel like most people are struggling when they have to commit to this lifestyle and then look forward to being 80 or whatever when they can go on the cruise and sometimes just questioning these you know set standards get people so aggressive you know like what why do you think you're better than me like why i truly never ever wanted to be anything but an artist never but i truly never ever believed that i was going to be able to make a living from it but i did it anyway because that's just what i'm supposed to do and i like that's one thing that i am 100 percent absolutely sure about and yeah it's to me, it's still a miracle that I was able to pull it off and I was lucky enough to be at the right place at the right time. But the truth is, and based on the story that you've shared so far, is that you were fucking hustling. Yeah. You were out there. You were meeting people. You were sharing your portfolio. Mm-hmm. You were trying to make connections. You were pulling back sometimes, which is a normal part of the flow. Yeah. But you weren't just sitting there waiting for, you know, God to strike you and give you an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You were doing things. And in order to get things done, you need to be the one to do them. Absolutely. And I like I can relate to this, what you just said so much, because I just remember growing up and like 
in Eastern Europe and like here too, everywhere, but in Eastern Europe, especially, I feel like it's such a cult of like, you know, if you're a woman, you just sit there and be pretty and take care of your face and like, you know, <laughs> wait for this perfect guy to come in and figure everything out. And it just like never sit well, sit well with me. And, and then, you know, go to college and wait for this amazing professor to come out, come out and like tell you all these secrets of the universe. And, you know, and it took me so long to understand that, it's me, you know, like the person who's going to save me is me. And I just feel like, you know, it was a shock to really realize it. But since then, it's been amazing. I, I have no expectations of other people. I know that I can only rely on myself. And not to say I'm like some recluse who's sitting in the room and like, I don't trust nobody, you know, it's just that you you are responsible for your own life and like rightly so everybody else is busy figuring out their own shit like they don't care about your stuff like they care to an extent but they like nobody knows what's what's really happening but you and it is a sad and depressing concept but i think it's also really empowering you know it for me personally it made me like realize that I really need to invest in myself. I need to, um, you know, work on myself, work on my mental health, work on my physical health. And it like made really profound changes in my life, just realizing that. Was there a moment that really gave you that awareness or was it a gradual process? It was a gradual process, but I struggled with alcohol and drug addiction for a very long time. And it's my you know, family history, and then I fell into the same trap, and, like, all the guilt and shame that were attached to it, and, um, yeah, just quitting, finally quitting uh, drinking and doing drugs was the, the most profound moment, and it changed everything for me, and it felt like such a huge sacrifice, uh, you know, when, when I was, like, freshly in it, but the you know the results that I got out of it it just unbelievable and I think that that's also a really good segue into talking about another thing that has been that has really changed your life which is incorporating um, trauma and assault and these very very difficult topics into your practice Mm -hmm. in in incorporating that in a really meaningful and profound way yeah so I have been working on formulating um you know like a special tattoo plus ritual deal uh that would kind of involved a visual um like a visual symbol that would represent um, like overcoming trauma to someone and actually it would be me and the person uh, creating a ritual together where we can you know really set our intentions and set the intentions for the tattoo like you know vocalize what we're doing what the symbol is going to be representing or healing and just you know then the actual tattooing part to kind of like create the experience of 
physical manifestation of like overcoming uh, a trauma or loss, you know, something that like you truly can't get over. And it's been like really coming up for me lately. And I've been talking like most of my clients are women or femme presenting people. And oh my God, there's so much trauma. There's like, I've never met one person who was like, my life was perfect. I married my like sweetheart and we just like (laughs) have a lot of happy, healthy babies. Like there's not one person, like I don't truly don't believe that there's one person in the world who never underwent some kind of traumatic experience. I agree. I mean, there's so many things in astrology and so much of my personal practice is when I work with clients is talking about trauma. I've been trying to catch myself when I like impose my own judgments, you know, when someone's telling me a story and I'm like, that's not a big deal, you know, and I like immediately catch myself and it's, it's not for you to decide. And you know, maybe the things that happened to me w- wouldn't be a big deal to someone, but they, you know, like you said, piled up on top of each other. Sometimes it just like it's strangling. And I love the movement right now of, you know, people really like engaging in self care and being like nice and tender to themselves because I think that the damage that was done by generations who were just like, suck it up, suck it up, it's not a big deal, is why we are having such sick society right now. And suppressing that is just not going to help anyone. It's going to come out some other way. It's going to grow into a tumor. It's going to, like, abuse creates abuse. And all we can do is talk about it and, you know say it out loud as much as as much as it is so uncomfortable to talk about there's some stuff that I didn't like I've been with my husband for seven years and there's some stuff that I haven't had a courage to bring up to him because I I don't want to I don't want to say it out loud I don't want to relive it but it will eat you up inside you know if you don't address it so how do you think that Um, body art could be something healing Mm -hmm. for people so the reason why I was like pretty much forced into looking into this that I myself had an experience with an artist who uh, absolutely crossed the line and I decided to be vocal about it and it was like it turned into this like horrendous thing on the internet that like was very damaging and difficult but it resulted in like this guy pretty much kicked out of tattoo community and you know as as much as I know he doesn't really work anymore and uh, people who have been abused by him and who he crossed the line with came out and it gave them uh, courage to speak out about it and I, like, right now I'm in the process of lasering this tattoo off. Really, like, made me think about how powerful, like, what we're feeling in the moment of getting the tattoo. How your relationship with this tattoo will continue. Because it is, you know, you can lighten it and cover it. 
but it will be on your body forever and like the memory of it will be underneath the new tattoo so it really made me look at tattooing very very differently and how much responsibility we as practitioners carry to facilitate a safe environment and a pleasant experience for the person who's getting tattooed and yeah I just it's been like such a focus point to me to just do as much as I can for every single client that I tattoo and like it doesn't matter what my personal feelings are uh, towards them to facilitate as much as possible the best experience I can provide them because it's it's not a joke like I have been having such a hard time seeing this tattoo on me and uh, getting laser right now and like seeing it fade um, has been like a complicated experience you know it's just like seeing this this thing that's already causing so much pain seeing it covered in like boils and like getting burned and like the pain of laser removal is like 50 times more intense than any tattoo that I've ever gotten there's so much symbolism in yeah, this. Yeah. I, it's 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 really a profound story, I think. And you know, to have such a physical mark as a reminder of not just what this individual did and how he's crossed the line, but probably throughout your whole life all of mm-hmm. these people who have crossed the line and it also yeah. again compounding into this mark. That was the what happened, basically. It was just like, you know, I thought that as a 31-year-old woman, I was, in my own environment, I was going to be able to put my foot down. Right, and you were his and, boss by all <laughs> intents and purposes, yeah, right? Yeah, and say, like, no, you are not doing this. Like, the, And I could not. And, you know, I felt so angry at myself instead of being angry at this person and like that is that is just what happens to so many people and then they just live with it and they suppress it and the anger towards yourself when it's a absolutely misplaced anger you know yeah it's it's so fucking hard because we don't have a rhetoric for it. But because we don't talk about it, there's really, like, we don't have the tools. And, you know, I actually had to, there was an investigation and I had to speak to a DA. And it's horrifying. There is no rules or regulations around tattooing. That's something that I, you know, had to learn the hard way that... Once you sign the consent form or agree to getting tattooed, um, if I decide to, like, go off the rails and, like, tattoo a bunch of random stuff on you, I can do it. Like, you like you know, you can sue me in a small claims court, but it's not considered to be any violation. That's wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And learning that was like a who very... Is, who established the ethics and the standards? Of... There's really no ethic. Like, the industry grew so fast from just, like, this little, like, niche thing to, like, such a... Like, you know, almost, what, 47% of Americans have tattoos? That's crazy! Yeah. <laughs> that it's, like, a huge, huge part of society. But, the like, the laws and regulations haven't caught up yet. 
Anka, I feel like I can talk to you forever. <laughs> Where can we find you? So I am only pretty much active on Instagram. I deleted all my other stuff. It was just eating up too much of my time. But I am always on Instagram. It's uh, Anka period tattoo. And my shop is Black Iris Tattoo uh, on Instagram also. And we have a website, blackirisstattoo.com. We have, it's me and John, and we have a team of um, soon six amazing artists that, you know, I'm so proud of everyone. Everyone's doing amazing things. But we also offer a lot of classes and workshops. We have like wide range of mostly like spiritual magic metaphysical oriented things anything from like tarot to dream alchemy (laughs) so yeah it's super cool they have a a super super cool schedule filled with everything you you. would ever want to do i i still can't believe it's for real (laughs) it's very for real it's very very for real Thank you so much, Anka. You are Thank so amazing you. and special. Thank You're you. the best Cancer New Moon. Thank you. <laughs> you are. <laughs>